BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And welcome back to the program. Tom Hartman here with you. 63 Republicans voted against a resolution in support of NATO. 63 Republicans. They voted on Putin's side of the war. In addition to that, Ted Lieu just tweeted this out. He said, I'm retweeting this without comment for your information. This is from Kristen Wilson, who is, I believe, a CNN reporter, right, covering Congress for CNN. Six GOP House members just voted against a bill that would require the State Department to report and preserve evidence of war crimes committed by Russian forces in Ukraine. Tom Massey of Kentucky, Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, Warren Davidson of Ohio, Andy Biggs of Arizona, and Paul Gosart of Arizona. So it's like, wait, the story even is bigger than this. Why are Republicans taking Putin's side to the point that they don't even want war crimes investigated? Why would they do that? Well, you know, this, this sudden shift, uh, Aaron Blake wrote a piece over at the Washington Post a couple days ago titled, why uh, yesterday actually, why 30% of the House GOP voted against reaffirming NATO support. And, you know, that, that kind of lays out this whole thing. And this all happened right after Koch Industries announced that they would not be leaving Russia. The same for Halliburton and Cargill. These are huge companies, but they're privately held. They're not publicly traded. I'm not sure about Cargill. And, and actually, Halliburton might have even gotten publicly traded these days. I'm, I'm, my memory here is from the days that Cheney was running it. But in any case, they, they, you, it's easy to understand, in particular with Koch Industries, why a privately held corporation would just say, nah, you know, we're, we're just going to keep squeezing profits out of Russia because they don't need to answer to shareholders. It's also arguably unsurprising that the Coke fortune or subsidiaries would stay in Russia. I mean, the original Coke money, uh, Fred Coke, Daddy Coke, made his money in Russia with drilling for oil for Stalin or helping him build his oil infrastructure. But what is surprising is the 63 Republican members of Congress would vote against a resolution in support of NATO. So why would they do it? Is it that they, they share a worldview with Vladimir Putin? Is it that, uh, you know, the, uh, some of the companies that want to continue doing business in Russia have basically said to their Republican, the, the, the Republicans that they own or that they fund or that they help to, to say, uh, hey, go light on Russia. You know, they said, hey, dance, and these guys start dancing. Is it possible that it's both? I mean, Judd Legum broke, broke the story over at Popular.info, Popular Information, his newsletter, about the, the, uh, the memo coming out of a Koch-related uh, right-wing think tank group or, you know, advocacy group, whatever you would call it. And, and I think it's real that, that you, you know, Ukraine actually represented a real threat to Russia. Now, it wasn't a military threat. But keep in mind, a year ago this time, we were talking, and Rachel, Rachel Maddow was covering in great depth on her show on MSNBC. She, as far as I could tell, she was the only person talking about it. But in Belarus, you've got you know, Lukashenko, who is this dictator who was like, just like Yanukovych in, in Ukraine. They kicked Yanukovych out in 2014. And, and Paul Manafort had been the guy who brought him to power. And so Manafort came back to the United States and in, in 2015 and, and volunteered to run Donald Trump's campaign for free. This is the same Manafort who took 10 million, over $10 million 
to get Yanukovych into office in Ukraine so that he could keep Ukraine out of NATO back in 2010. This is the same Paul Manafort who took, all, you know, who took millions and millions of dollars to get this guy in office, to keep this guy in office. When pe- finally the people kicked him out, Manafort comes to the United States and, and after having worked for basically Putin's interests in Ukraine, comes back to the United States and I'd say fairly obviously is working for Putin's interests in the United States, making Donald Trump president. But not just that. Manafort also got the GOP to drop negative references to Russia from their party platform in 2016 and to eliminate the party platform's support for lethal defensive aid, lethal defensive weaponry uh, types of aid to Ukraine. I mean, this is like laying on the ground in front of us. It's so obvious what's going on. And autocrats, you know, like Putin, they hate democracies. They fear democracies. Ukraine represented a real threat to Russia and to Belarus in as much as it was an example of a functioning democracy that did not allow corruption. That was Zelensky. That was how uh, Zelensky took down Por- Petro Poroshenko. Poroshenko was the president before Zelensky. He was, he was, you know, he was kind of on our side. He wanted to make, you know, Russia, or excuse me, he wanted to make uh, Ukraine a little more European and, and build, you know, ties to the EU and all that kind of stuff. But he was also, you know, like the Republican Party in the United States, he was also basically on the take from Ukrainian billionaire oligarchs. And Zelensky came in as the anti-corruption candidate, as the anti-oligarch candidate. And when he took over uh, Ukraine as president, one of the first things he did was create a cabinet-level office that looked into corruption, into political corruption, into corporations and oligarchs buying politicians. It was called the anti-corruption unit. Russia and Belarus are looking at that going, we can't allow this on our border. So I, my, what I'm positing in this article today, uh, asking, you know, why is the GOP getting in bed with Putin over at HartmanReport.com? What I'm positing is that the Republican Party is intentionally getting in bed with Putin. And by the way, this isn't the first time. You know, the first time was 2016, as I just told you about Paul Manafort. So here we are. Putin runs rigged elections in Russia, and the Republican Party is rigging elections in the United States. They've changed election laws, uh, you know, over, over 50 different new election laws in, in uh, over 20 states. In some of these states, even to the point where the state legislature can overrule your vote. This is how it works in Russia. So the GOP has done that here in the United States. Putin holds power in part by trash-talking LGBTQ people. And the Republican Party has put homophobia at the top of their agenda. And Republican media is constantly going after uh, LGBTQ people, uh, you know, with these scurrilous attacks that they're actually pedophiles in disguise disguise or whatever. And the the simple reality is the vast majority of pedophiles are, are straight men. So Putin, Putin trash talks LGBTQ people. The GOP puts homophobia at the top of their agenda. Putin embraces white nationalism in Russia. The Republican Party embraces white nationalism here in the United States. Putin has actively cultivated neo-Nazis within Russia. There's a, a right-wing movement in Russia that's openly neo-Nazi. And here in the United States, the GOP lionizes Kyle Rittenhouse and embraces American neo-Nazi movements. Putin has contempt for the rule of law. He, he ignores, in, when it's convenient for him, the laws of Russia. And the Republican Party is now embracing people who tried to take down, to overthrow the government of the United States, which is the ultimate law. Putin put so much money into the National Rifle Association that they'd become, as NPR described them, quote, a foreign asset to Russia ahead of the 2016 election. Putin pouring money into the NRA, and hey, that money was going to Republican candidates. Are you starting to see a one-to-one association here? Putin frequently lies to his people about things that are easily disproven, the same as Trumpy Republicans do on an almost daily basis. Putin shuts down the independent news media in Russia, while Trump and the Republicans are calling independent news media in the United States the enemy of the people. Well, what do you do to the enemy of the people? Of course, you shut them down or or knock them off or kill them. 
Putin attacks science in Russia. The same as Republicans do here in the United States, particularly climate science. Putin is promoting a muscular form of Christianity through his corrupt preachers. They've got televangelists there too, and they're all hardcore right-wingers. Just and, and they they're defying the teachings of Jesus, right? They've left Matthew 25 so far behind in the dust, not to mention the Sermon on the Mount. They, I mean, they're just completely ignoring the teachings of Jesus, as does the Republican Party, embracing this right-wing Christianity. Putin's politicians are funded and fueled by right-wing oligarchs in Russia, just like Republican politicians in America are fueled and funded by right-wing oligarchs here in the United States. And Putin hates liberals and civil rights protesters, just like the Republican Party, which now in several states, Ron DeSantis was the first to do this down in Florida, have legalized people driving their cars into protests and killing protesters. Seriously. Our media seems confused about this, but I, I don't think there's any confusion here. The Republicans are increasingly voting with Putin, 63 of them in the House of Representatives yesterday or the day before, because they hope to turn America into something that looks just like Putin's Russia. The morbidly rich love it. What say you? This is the Tom Hartman Program. Is it time to call the Republican Party an extension of the Russian state? It's certainly looking that way to me. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Marine Le Pen, by the way, we've talked about her a couple of times. We had uh, Cole Stangler on the program earlier in the week talking about it. She has now come out and said that if she wins the French election, that she is going to essentially refuse to put French troops in with NATO. She's still going to honor NATO's Section 5. She's not going to pull out of NATO altogether, but she's not going to allow French troops to be under NATO command, uh, which basically is gutting NATO and that she's going to have a rapprochement, that she's going to have a, uh, uh, a new relationship with Vladimir Putin and Russia. So, uh, you know, the stakes are fairly clear. You know, she would be Trump 2.0. She would be, you know, uh, France would become aligned with Russia. If Trump wins, or several of the Republicans now who have aligned themselves with Putin, uh, win in 2024, uh, or just take the Senate and the House, we could see a major shift in, in American foreign policy, um, you know, not coming out of the executive branch, but coming out of the legislative branch. That's pretty scary stuff. And, and but that's what the Republican Party and the, and the right wing movement wants to bring you, because they are aligned with the idea that democracy has had a nice 240 year run, but it's time to set it aside. Democracy is a pain in the ass. Democracy is too messy. Democracy is too slow. We need autocrats, we need strong men, the threats in the world are so great that we need, and, and, and we need to crack down on all this free speechy stuff and all this uh, be, you know, being nice and kind to gay people stuff or LGBTQ people, um, and we need to crack down on, you know, I was just uh, teaching the history of America in our schools, and let's just go back to, it's all, you know, white people, and they have all the power, and they have all the, it's just, this is, this is Marine Le Pen's sales pitch. She's pretty open about it. It's Donald Trump's sales pitch. It's the Republican Party's sales pitch now. So what do we do about it? Well, the January 6th committee is debating whether or not to make a criminal referral of Donald Trump to the Justice Department. It would be purely advisory anyway. The Justice Department 
you know, you could make a criminal referral to the Justice Department. They, they, you know, they probably wouldn't take it quite as seriously as one coming from Congress, but, you know, they could say, oh, hey, it's called a tip, right? <laughs> they could say, oh, yeah, look at this. We'll pass this along to the FBI. So, so your neighbor's building bombs in his basement. Thanks. Uh, or they could just ignore it. Zoe Lofgren, uh, the Democrat from California, and, and uh, for whom I have tremendous respect, uh, she says, you know, it doesn't really mean anything. A referral doesn't mean anything. The DOJ can, can ignore it. They can do it or not. On the other hand, there are, you know, other members of Congress, other members of the committee who are, you know, like Elaine Luria, uh, a Democrat from Virginia, who is saying that if we find criminal responsibility, it's our response or criminal behavior, it's our responsibility to turn it over to the DOJ. I, I understand both arguments. And I think at the end of the day, it doesn't so much matter whether they make a criminal referral to the Justice Department or not. The DOJ is already doing their investigation. I'm looking forward to the public hearings, and I'm predicting that the public hearings will come once the war in Ukraine is over, once there's like some quiet on the Western Front, as it were. Nelson in Arcata, California. Hey, Nelson, thanks for waiting as long as you did. What's up? About Ukraine and Putin's motives, and you know, we've all kind of come to the point of thinking that he that he waited until uh, Trump lost, and you know, and then he and then he invaded the spring. But I think there's a second motive for why he waited till now, and that he wants to disrupt the the hearings. You know, you know, he, he they had to come up with something worse than what Trump did to to steal the headlines, and this is what he did. He started this war, and it's taken all the, the oxygen, and this is going to go on. As, as long as he has a war, that's going to be the big story, and the, and the hearings is going to be second. They're already putting off the hearings, you know, for this reason. And I think he's going to keep this war going to keep it in the news, to keep the hearings, uh, you know, below the, the fold, so to speak. It could be, Nelson. What I'm hearing from, you know, military strategists is that the window is closing on an invasion, you, that, that Trump could not do a land invasion heavily relying on tanks, tanks and armored personnel carriers and things that are really, really heavy, um, once the ground had thawed, that a lot right. of roads just wouldn't be able to hold equipment of that weight. Uh, they, would, they would crumble if the ground underneath them wasn't frozen, um, that they wouldn't be able to go across fields and things if they needed to. They, you know, they, they would be very, very limited in how they could behave. And so they had to do it before the spring thaw came. And that this is what is now causing them problems in the east, in the Donetsk region, and and uh, it, because the ground has thawed and it's or is thawing there there are heavy heavy rains the last two days in ukraine or in eastern ukraine and it has really really slowed them down um i i doubt that you know i know that putin you know obviously loves the republican party and and you know tucker carlson is his is his useful idiot um right and and well, uh, i don't know i just think it's kind of coincidental maybe it's yeah. maybe there's nothing to it i just think that um you know they're big on on you know capturing the public view, and you know yeah. and this is doing it. You know as long as he's got this war, and yeah, he's 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 doing what he's doing, but he could still bomb cities, you know, and that's going to be he's going to have that ability for a long time. And yeah. and I just want I just let's see what happens when the hearings start. I think he's going to he's going to keep doing this. We'll see. I people. you know I think that the 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 incredible level of military aid that the United States and Europe are providing to Putin right now uh, represent the ability, uh, represent the possibility that Ukraine might win this war. And that's why Putin is threatening nuclear weapons. That's why, although, you know, he, he put that threat in the context of uh, Sweden and Finland joining the EU. Um, but, you know, he's, 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 he's at the end of his rope. And well, you know, I agree with you. I agree with you, but I think what well, I think if he wants to do something nuclear, I don't think he's going to shoot off a bomb. No, I think he's tactical gonna, nukes. He'll, I think he'll hit one of the one of the Ukrainian plants, Chernobyl or one of the others. That's the same result as a bomb. No, it's because he's downwind from them. My, my my biggest fear, and I'll just say this out loud. I've been reluctant to say it on the air, but you know, for fear that I'd make it happen. But that's a superstition. My biggest fear is that he pulled out of the whole Kiev region and because he wanted to get all of his soldiers out there and allow all the Ukrainians and everybody else to go back in there with the idea that he would use a tactical nuke to sterilize that area. You know, I mean, a tactical, their battlefield nukes have the same power of uh, the Hiroshima bomb, you know, so he could do some really serious damage there and he wouldn't have the fallout problem that he'd have if he took out Chernobyl. Um, I, you know, I, I, 
I hope and pray that that never happens. Nelson, thank you for the call. George in Cripple Creek, Virginia. Hey, George, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, how you doing? Can you believe how incompetent the Russian military is in their war against Ukraine? I can, and, and it shows army. what happens when you have a corrupt oligarchy where, where the oligarchs have been skimming all the money off the top. Yeah, and the Russian Navy just lost its Black Sea flagship, the Guido Missile Kuzumas to old technology uh, Ukrainian anti-ship missiles. And Tom, I think Putin's miscalculated as badly as Lenin, Stalin, and Trotsky did in 1920 when they sent the Invincible Red Army into Poland to crush Poland and then spread the Bolshevik revolutions throughout Western Europe. But against all odds, the Poles smashed the Red Army and sent it back to Mother Russia. Yeah, and the, and the same thing happened when, when Hitler decided that he was going to take Moscow. You know, he got as far as Stalingrad right, right. And, and bombed the crap out of it. I mean, just turned it into rubble like the, the Russians are doing in Mariupol now. But, uh, exactly. you know, that was, that was his Waterloo. Well, for that matter, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, there was the real Waterloo, too, you know, that Napoleon exactly. confronted. <laughs> well, I enjoy talking. Hey, you still keep up with Murdoch Mysteries? Say that again? Do you still watch Murdoch Mysteries? We talked about that. In oh, the Murdoch Mysteries. You know, it's been, yeah, I, I, I think I watched the whole series. Are there new ones? I know who knew about that. Are, are there some new ones? I got all the ones I've seen so far are repeats, but I'm hoping yeah. they're going to come out with some new ones. Yeah, we 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 burned through that whole series, and and you know, and here, yes. yeah, and then we watched the Kevin Costner series and the and the 1883 or whatever it is, and and now yeah, I have to get that. I haven't watched yeah. it. Now we're watching international FBI, which is actually interesting because it's it's kind of progressive. I mean, you know, it's like you know, the. Uh, it's it's just fascinating, you know. It's it's uh, to see an FBI show that's got a whole bunch of progressive memes to it. But uh, hey, where is that? On? I'll have to look that up. I, I I'm not sure. We, I mean, we watch all this stuff through Amazon Prime, so I, you know. But we subscribe oh, to I'm a couple of channels. Right, I'll get it. I'm so, on there. So yeah. international FBI. Yeah, good. that's what it's called. Yeah, check it out, George. Thanks for the call. Yeah. It's it's always nice to talk to people about stuff other than just insanity. Jerry, uh, also listening on KPFK in Huntington Beach, California. Hey, Jerry, what's up? Watching those poor people suffer over there. Yeah. I've said it before. I just wish that we could stop this thing. And the only way I see of stopping it is to, for uh, Ukraine to give up. They're not going to win. Uh, I mean, they're. I, I think they you may, may be wrong, Jerry. Uh, they no, have a. I don't think they're, so. they're, 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 the number of men under arms in Ukraine right now is roughly equivalent to the Russian army. Well, okay, let's say they did win. Mm -hmm. Then what do you think would happen? I think there's about a 10% chance that Putin will use a tactical nuke to take out Kyiv and, uh, and then rush in and declare victory. And I think there's about a 90% chance that Putin will, f will continue his purge. He's already uh, imprisoned at least 100 people in, his, in the senior ranks of his government, his military. He's had 10 generals lost on the battlefield. He's got another 10 generals in prison. Um, the, his, uh, his defense secretary... Uh, whose name is escaping me. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Um, but anyhow, his defense secretary just suffered a massive heart attack at the age of 67. And uh, <laughs> oh, people good. are reporting that they're not sure that it was actually a, you know, a heart, heart attack. Um, I think that you know, if, if, if Putin loses, you know, his choices are you know, go big like using a nuke or just go home and do a Stalin-esque purge, which it looks like he's in the middle of right now which tells me that it is possible that the Ukrainians could win, and it is possible that Putin will back down, at least for the moment. If the, he, There's also the question, I mean, you know, he's, he's purged so many people in his senior leadership. Uh, you know, at what point does somebody decide that they're going to try and take him out, whether it's politically or, or physically? Charles in Redmond. Hey, Charles, what's on your mind today? Putin's invasion has smashed another Republican myth, and that's... Reagan didn't defeat the Soviet Union. They collapsed partially, and now they're retrenching, and they're trying to come back, and just as malignant as ever. Yeah. Um, Reagan bankrupted our processes, He, uh, our uh, political processes. He, he was given a mansion in Bel Air by some wealthy publishers right after leaving office, and, you know, that just shows the Republicans what to do and what they get when they do it. Mm -hmm. And his campaign against drugs was just say no uh, was aimed at the blacks to keep them under their thumb but um his daughter used to get drugs from a guy in venice that we all knew so 
Hmm. Uh, he didn't go after her, and she was followed around by F the FBI. So the FBI knew about. Uh, yeah, that was Patty Davis you're talking about. Uh, she's yeah. she. I, I think she went through a rough time, and and she's really come out of it well. I mean, she's she's, you know, quite the person these days. So she's. Yeah, that's. I'm I'm glad to hear that. As has her yeah. brother Ron Reagan. I mean, you know, both of them have, uh, you know, these days are comporting themselves really well. I don't think Ron went through the the, the same crisis that Patty did, but uh, Ron is just a, a great guy. I mean, I've I've uh, spoken with him in a number of venues and met with him, and I don't I can't say I know him, you know, as a as a as a person or as a friend, but I'm very impressed by him. And now they're they're running his uh, Freedom from Religion Foundation ads on TV again. And uh, every time I see them, I I'm smile. He's a good guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, Charles, thank you for for uh, you know for the the point and and a point well made. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave. What's up? Hey, not too much, Tom. You know, I wanted to talk about World War III, and also I just don't. I want to say that I'm not saying anyone's wrong. What I'm saying is our perception of it has to evolve. All right. And. And um, like we have this idea that it's going to be a big nuclear conf conflagration, right? But it, it probably will not be for obvious reasons. No, if nukes are now, used, they'll probably be battlefield nukes. Well, yeah, there could be the introduction of battlefield nukes, but it's not going to be this big nuclear exchange like in the 1970s movie War Games or anything like that. Right. And what we've got to look at is like countries like India. India, since its formation, probably because it was a colonial, a very important colonial asset of the British, they do not do uh, multilateral defense agreements. They only do bilateral. Okay, but you notice Joe Biden was talking to the president of India, trying to get India on his side in economically sanctioning Russia. Well, we need to really watch that, because if India starts joining multilaterals, I think that's an indication right there that World War III is underway. And also... Wait a minute, um, why? Right, you know, last night when, when uh, I forget which network it was, but one of the networks was talking about, oh, isn't this wonderful? Europe is getting ready to ban the import of, of Russian oil. This is going to really cripple, cripple Russia. And I was like... India is going to buy their oil. China's going to buy their oil. You know, the, the oil is fungible. They'll sell the oil into international marketplaces, even if Europe cuts it off. I mean, it's a great moral statement, and it's great for Europe to become energy independent, particularly independent of Russia. But I don't think this is going to hurt Russia. And and India, you know, Modi is is making more and more noises that he wants to be aligned with Russia and China rather than the West. Well, right, and you're right because he's that moving in the direction of authoritarianism. Right, and you're not, like I'm, I'm not saying anybody's wrong. As a matter of fact, most everybody's right. They're just missing the actual catalyst. Okay, and also um, there was an American general, female, she said, and I quote, she said, um, India is mad at America because when we, pulled out of Iraq, when we pulled out of Afghanistan, we ceded Afghanistan to Pakistan. Okay, none of that's true. That's not true, Tom. All right, and well, then the there Taliban was another, is based in Pakistan, and the Taliban has taken over Afghanistan. Right, and, and what that came down to is Russia was um, Russia was resupplying us, the Americans, while we were in Afghanistan. That that resupply switched over to India. All right, it's all about money, Tom. Is my point in war uh, profiteering? The okay. real problem is not in Europe; it is on Russia's southern flank in the, in what we call South Asia. That is where they're truly vulnerable, and this is where the war profiteers and the neocons are going to focus. And I'm telling you, Russia could. It looks like the Kremlin is going. Going to go onto an economic system more similar to North Korea, where there is no such thing as computer theft, and that brings to a point you're always bringing up that a cyber event may, you know, catalyze World War III. Now, all these things are correct, Tom. All I'm saying is we need to get over this idea of a nuclear conflagration, and we need to get our own neocons and our own war profiteers and neoliberals, we need to get them under control and understand what they are. And also, I just wanted to ask you about this, this uh, Russia pushing this religious narrative that Ukrainians are Satanists and how the Republicans are doing it here. I would love to get your opinion on that later. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's vile. <laughs> you know, I mean, Putin has positioned himself as the, as the, the leader of of the evangelical movement, the white evangelical blood and soil movement in Russia. And just as Trump has here. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Call 202-808-9925. And thus the white evangelical movement in the United States is largely aligning itself with Trump and is one of the major sources, uh, you know, locally of this hate of Ukraine. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Let me just emphasize this one more time. Ted Lieu retweeted this, but Kristen Wilson's original tweet, six GOP House members voted against a bill that would require the State Department to report and preserve evidence of war crimes committed by Russian forces in Ukraine. Six of them. And if you are represented by one of these people, two of them from Arizona, Andy Biggs and Paul Gosar, I mean, this is the Sedition Caucus. I don't know how else to describe it. Warren Davidson in Ohio. If you're in Ohio, you might want to reach out to him. Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia. Don't even bother. Right? There's, I mean, she's hopeless. Scott Perry in Pennsylvania. Thomas Massey in Kentucky. Thomas Massey was the guy who did the Christmas card with him and his wife and their three or four kids all holding automatic, semi-automatic weapons. Yeah, we're an all-American family. We're ready to kill people. I mean, this is what the GOP has brought us. Where do we expect to go with this? I, you know, I think this is, this is very dangerous. I, 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 there's not another way to describe it. You've got, we have right-wing oligarchs in the United States who are funding media operations that support right-wing, basically fascist politicians in the United States. You've got right-wing billionaires who are supporting websites and news operations that are, that are supporting uh, you know, right-wing politicians. You've got right-wing billionaires in the United States who have spent hundreds of millions of dollars over the years propping up and putting together right-wing think tanks that churn out daily you know, articles and policy papers and talking points for Republican politicians here in the United States. There's nothing like that on the Democratic side, nothing because the Democrats are the party of working class people and working class people don't write million dollar checks or $20 million checks or $100 million checks to start giant think tanks. I mean, this is the system that we're stuck with right now. And we're stuck with it in, frankly, in large part because of the U.S. Supreme Court. Their Citizens United decision, their decision, their, their repeated, uh, the Supreme Court's repeated decisions that basically simply say, if a billionaire wants to own a politician, that's no longer corruption. That is free speech. And it's just wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And we've got to get a handle on this. And, and, we, and getting a handle on it, in my opinion, starts the very first step, the starting point, is, is capping, is, is putting this, this genie back in the bottle of, of big money in politics. We did this in the 70s. When Jerry Ford became president after Richard Nixon resigned, and Jerry Ford was a Republican from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I mean, I, I knew all about him because you know, I grew up in the same state. In fact, he, was born in the, he, was, he and I were born in the same city. And he signed repeatedly multiple pieces of legislation that limited the power of big money in, go in government and in politics. And then the Supreme, then that was, you know, in the, in, the, in the period from 74 through 76 and 70, I think, yeah, through 76. And then what did the Supreme Court do? They struck them down, particularly with Citizens United. Citizens United struck down hundreds of laws all across the United States that cleaned up our elections. We've got to do something about this. Don in Tacoma, Washington. Hey, Don, what's up? Heard this reprimand from from Putin about 
Finland. He's warning against a bid for for joining NATO, I think. Yeah. Uh, did you hear about that? Yeah, yeah. Finland uh, has indicated a desire to join NATO, and Putin essentially threatened them. Yeah, that was last week. Does that mean that Finland is going to be next? Finland shares a massive border. I mean, the, virtually the entire country is on the border of Russia. And Finland and Russia have gone to war with each other over that border multiple times in the last hundred years. Uh, so, yeah, Finland could be next. And Sweden, could too. Be next. Sweden, Sweden yeah, is talking the, about it, you know, joining NATO. And, and, and Switzerland is not talking about joining NATO. We're heading towards World War III, and so we're going to have to buckle down and say, hey, look, this is where the line stops. I think so. Yeah. I, I really yeah. think so. And, and the question, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I was reading this morning on Daily Kos that as the Russians are, they've started the attacks on the Donbass region, on, you know, on eastern Ukraine. And uh-huh. uh, it looks like the Ukrainians have been making good use of some of this anti-tank weaponry and anti-aircraft weaponry that the West has been providing them. They apparently shot down a Russian fighter jet this morning and or yesterday, and they have destroyed a, a, a part of this long line of tanks. And, uh, you know, whether Russia is going to be able to pull off this invasion, uh, you know, and, and seizure, uh, you know, is, is an open question, which then raises the question, like- what does Putin do if he's totally back, you know, if he's, if he's about to lose, what yeah. does he do? Kind of like what that right brain and left brain discussion was that woman had a while back. Yeah. I think Putin's into the right brain part of it. He just can't seem to get out of it. I don't, I I think he's way below that. I think he's in the limbic brain or the lizard brain. I think even below the limbic brain. I think he's in the brainstem. Don, I got to run, but thank you for the call. Spot on. Ty in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Hey, Ty, what's on your mind today? This whole business of Russian disinformation to their own people reminded me of a story that I heard from my father years ago. He traveled in Russia in the 30s, mm-hmm. and as all foreigners had at that time, he had an in-tourist guide that went with him everywhere. Right. And so they'd gone around, and they'd become somewhat friendly, and so she started to ask him questions about life in the U.S. And so then she asked him this one. She said, uh, you come from New York City. Tell me about the skyscrapers that fall down. And he was like, what? And she goes, yeah, I mean, all, all Russians know that. Uh, the, the skyscrapers in New York, the ones that fall down with some regularity. He could not convince her that yeah. this was BS. She yeah. was totally sure that, and she said, all, all Russians know about that. Um, so this is deeply embedded in the relationship between people and their government uh, of long standing. It's not only Russia, Ty. I mean, you know, I remember the first year or so after the United States did shock and awe bombing in Baghdad, killing civilians, just like, you know, Russia is killing right now in Ukraine. And, you know, I was on the radio saying this is wrong. We've been lied into this war. Saddam Hussein represents no threat to us. The U.N. is saying that there's no weapons of mass destruction in that country. This is just George Bush trying to get himself reelected in 2004, which is what he had told his biographer. We learned later, you know, before he even started this. And Americans were not believing, uh, you know, people like me who were saying, I mean, you know, now it's come out. Yeah, he absolutely Bush, Bush and Cheney absolutely lied us into this war and did it intentionally and knowing it. There's a, an absolute human instinct to want to trust authority figures. When you, when you don't trust authority figures, when you don't trust your, your, the officials who are running your country or the leaders of your tribe, essentially, as it were, um, then life gets very scary. And, and yeah. you know, so, so people want that reassurance of, of just believing what they're being told. And, and it's not something that's exclusive to Russia. We, we, we have experienced this in the last 20 years right here in the United States. Absolutely, and we've, we've seen it. My, I have a thought about this, um, mm. and I think just, just a, an idea, let's say. Um, this is really now um, something that a lot of people have hoped would happen, and that is as the things unfold in Ukraine, that people in Russia will see that Putin is a bad guy and they'll figure out some way to get rid of him. I think that when you're talking about the older generation of Russians, that willingness to accept this kind of 
BS disinformation is so deeply embedded. I think it's a waste of time. I agree. It, it took us three years here in the U.S. I mean, it wasn't until 2005 that most Americans really started turning on George Bush and, and Dick Cheney for the war in Iraq. And I'm thinking that if we maybe focused a bit more on a more possible public for a truth, we might focus upon the young, the younger generations that may not have been so deeply uh, immersed yes. in this kind of BS. Yes, you're absolutely and, right. Uh, if, well, and that's if, what's if happening. Public, yeah, if our public relations thrusts could be focused upon what would young people listen to? And what do young people listen to? What do people generally listen to? They listen to people that they like and admire. Right. So how about something like a We Are the World concert, where you know you do a survey to find out who do young people in Russia actually like and admire, hmm. and put together a show. Okay, Elon Musk, where are you when we need you? Figure out a way to get that message across, carried by people that the young might have more of a tendency to listen to. Yeah, well, Elon Musk is busy trying to get Donald Trump back on Twitter, but um, but I understand what you're saying, and I completely, I think it's a great idea, you know, hold a big concert in Berlin or something like that and bring in, you know, yeah. a bunch of bands that are popular in the United States and Russia and, and, and you know, ask the talent if they can, you know, write songs about what's going on in Ukraine, you know, let's crank this thing up to, to you know, to turn the volume up to 10. I mean, right. yeah, I think it's yeah, a great I, idea. Yeah, I think Musk is off on the wrong foot. I, I'm somewhat cynically mentioning him, but he does have a platform. Yeah, I'm wondering what has happened somebody, to the Pussy Riot women, you know, in, in, in Russia, if they've just, you know, if they're just keeping their heads down or if they've been arrested or, or what. I, it's, uh, uh, I haven't heard much from them. Yeah. But I, I just feel like we need, if, if we hope for the Russians to do anything about this, I think we need to pick our, our public. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, I would say I, that I, the I think older people... I think, yeah, it's a, it's a lost cause. It's the same, you know, I mean, in America, they're still watching Fox News. Robin in Boulder, Colorado. Hey, Robin, what's on your mind today? Did you hear about um, Pink Floyd's latest release of a song to support the people in Ukraine? I, I haven't heard the song. I, I saw the headline. I didn't read the article, but I saw the headline that they had released their first album in, what, over a decade? Um, no, it's been 28 years, and it's only a Whoa. song, a, a, an actual new song, because right. Pink Floyd is basically a defunct band after one of the founding members, the um, the keyboardist, died a, few, a number of years ago. Uh -huh. But on The Guardian, I read the full story, and here's something I didn't know. David Gilmore, their guitarist, he has a daughter-in-law who is Ukrainian, Whoa. and he was in, yeah, and he was inspired to do this song based on this family connection that he has. And his daughter-in-law lives in England. But when all of this started to come down in Ukraine, his daughter-in-law's grandmother and the rest of her family are in Kharkiv. And so she actually went there, I presume, along with, along with her husband, um, to help her grandmother escape and other family members. And mind you, her grandmother is in a wheelchair. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, but they did manage to get her to the Polish border, and then they got her into Sweden literally last yeah. week. Wow. And so I just think that's, I, I just think that's a great story. It is. Um, it is. And yeah. thank you for fleshing it out for me. Yeah, but you can find the whole story, um, you know, todaysguardian.com, mm -hmm. and um, on David Gilmore's uh, website, he talks about, um, you know, the whole inspiration for their, uh, for the song, and what it, basically what it is is that the singer is actually a Ukrainian from um, a band called Boombox, <laughs> and, but he canceled, but the band canceled their U.S. tour, because the singer decided to stay behind in Ukraine, and now he's wearing military fatigues, and he's fighting wow. um, for, uh, for his country. So it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Robin, thank you. Thanks for the heads up on that and filling out the story. That was marvelous. Chris in Littleton, Colorado. Hey, Chris, thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. What's on your mind today? Yeah, hi, Tom. Uh, I was wondering, why can't Ukraine advertise worldwide for volunteers to join the Ukraine military defeat Russia and rebuild the country. I don't think they, they have any money right now. They could offer citizenship and uh, a job 
you know, for life to help rebuild the country. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I get your sentiment, Chris, but uh, I'm not sure it would work, but it's an, it's an idea. Uh, you know, thanks for calling uh, and, and, and putting it up there. It's, you wanted to say something else? Oh, uh, yeah. One other thing is uh, this whole war is just about the greed and profit of a tiny handful of people like Putin and his uh, oligarchs. Absolutely. And uh, that's a huge problem, not just in Ukraine, but worldwide. And the world needs to figure out what to do about that. Yeah, and we and we need to figure out what to do about oligarchs in the United States. I think you know the bottom line is that we should be raising taxes on the morbidly rich. But you know, there's there's a whole different a whole bunch of different ways to deal with it, all nonviolent, of course. Rob in Mount Iron, Minnesota. Hey, Rob, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. It seems like uh, there's a, some warped logic out there, and uh, what I got to say is kind of like. Uh, exactly what you've been pursuing here it's where it's uh you know with psychology you work with theory i'm wondering if you could follow my theory here okay um trump said at the beginning of the ukrainian assault invasion that putin was brilliant right so trump genius supports putin genius okay so trump supports putin by the numbers last election had around 75 million voters supporters for trump now it's where all members of Congress and Senate who voted not to impeach Trump, they all supported Trump by not impeaching. Right. That means anybody who supports, follows, or votes for Trump by default supports Putin. Trump supports Putin. Yeah, well, and he, and he continues to. Just just last week, Trump asked Putin to, to turn over any dirt. He's got a Hunter Biden to him. I mean, he's, 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 he's still trying to negotiate with this guy. All of these voters, followers, or supporters of Trump are mentally ill, my theory. Well, they, they do have a challenge. I, I, I'm not sure that they're mentally ill because I, it, there is this syndrome, this brainwashing syndrome. It is possible to brainwash people. And, and frankly, I think that that's what right-wing media in America is doing. And it's not just Fox News, obviously, but Fox is the biggest. Well, can I say one other thing? It's where, you know, I mean, if somebody actually wants to say they support Trump, and they don't support Putin, ask them why. If yeah. Trump supports Putin, how come you support Trump? Well, and Trump is just, you know, promoting the same values that Putin does, which is strongman autocracy and, and uh, kleptocracy. You know, it's a, an oligarchy. That's, that's what they're all about. Rob, well said. Thank you very much for the call. Moon in Swiss Home, Oregon. Hey, Moon, what's on your mind today? Hello there, dearie. I don't have the Internet, but I always talk to the folks that you have answering the phone to make sure I'm not just repeating something. Okay. And I cannot believe that America has not figured out what does Trump have film of these men that follow him like they have a hook in their nose no matter what he does. Yeah. What does he have film of them doing in his motels? And I would bet a nickel that it's him and his friends being what they want to scream about the most, pedophiles. So do you think that... What does he I, I, have film of them doing? Yeah, God only knows. But uh, so, you know, the speculation, the, the Steele dossier was that Trump was secretly filmed by the FSB, you know, the, 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 the new version of the KGB in that, uh, I think it was a Hyatt Hotel in, in Moscow, uh, you know, with the two hookers. And so you're suggesting that Trump might have done the same thing, put secret cameras in the Trump Hotel in Washington, D.C., and then, you know, invited some of the Republicans to stay there or something? I, you know, it's... Almost all of them. You can see how many are actually standing up for the truth. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty Almost bizarre. None. It really and truly is bizarre, Moon. Uh, I think, though, that I, I don't think that it's uh, just to put a serious note on this. I don't think it's that he's blackmailing. Them. I think it's that he hit this populist note by running as the anti-corruption candidate back in 2016, running on draining the swamp. And he's got a lot of people in his in his base. I mean, he still largely runs the Republican Party. That's what's going on. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And they are all facing, or at least all of them in the House, and a third of them in the Senate are facing primary elections over the next couple of months. I think when the primary season's over, you're going to see a real change. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, 
you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Sean in Stamford, Connecticut. Hey, Sean, what's on your mind today? Oh, hi, Ken. How are you? Good. What's up? Well, I, I want to thank you for treating my memory because you mentioned now Russia and oligarchs and American oligarchs here. And I remember when some politicians, Republicans, uh, went to Russia on July 4th. Right. That was, you know, it was 17 or 18, whatever year it was. But the point thing is that everyone comes in, what were they doing there? Why were they there? And now I think we're starting to see the answer to that question. Yeah. And I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Ron Johnson is the only one whose name I remember, but there were there were you know six or seven of them. I, 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 I and right. you're right, and I don't know what they were doing there. I don't know that any of them have ever said what they were doing there, other than celebrating the Fourth of July in Moscow. But you're right; right. it, it but, happened. But I wonder, though. Inquiring is, minds want to know. Exactly. Are we are we starting to see that now? With well, let's not support the Ukraine because you know Russia is giving us orders not to. Right. I, I, I kind of doubt that the senators are as well owned as some members of Congress. But, you know, Donald Trump is I mean, he's still asking Russia for help with, you know, trashing Joe Biden. He did this just two, two, three days ago, uh, you know, said, you know, Russia, if you've got any information on Hunter Biden, please, you know, if you've got the laptop, please provide it to us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. You know, the, 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 old, the old Hillary Clinton line. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just it's just wrong. It's just so wrong. Um, thank you very much for the call, Sean. Great to hear from you. Howard in Vernon Hills, Illinois. Hey, Howard, what's on your mind today? You know, I just can't possibly believe that no one is outraged. If you recall, it was either 2017 or 18. Trump had two meetings with uh, Putin, and he would not allow American note-takers. Right, the uh, translator's notes were destroyed. Only, only the Russian translator and note taker. He did not allow American ones in the room. Are you sure? I thought there was an American uh, translator, no, but no, the... no, 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 no. They were not allowed in the room. Oh, that's interesting. And I saw that on, uh, you know, on national TV, and no one's made a big deal out of it. And oh. to me, that's the biggest deal in the world. And I personally think that's where uh, uh, Trump conspired with Putin to possibly hold off the invasion of Ukraine till the second, uh, till Trump's second uh, uh, term time yeah. around. Yeah, I, I agree and, with you. I mean, uh, he, why would why yeah. would Putin move on Ukraine uh, when Trump was actively dismantling NATO? I mean, you wait until after he's destroyed NATO. If, right. if, if the U.S. pulled out of NATO, out of, yeah. the, then Europe is not going to defend Ukraine the way that the, the U.S. could. I mean, they, the European countries right. just don't have the firepower. And uh, it, go ahead. Trump would have no fear. Yeah, well, and Putin would have no fear. I mean, you know, that was the whole point. They were that's what I meant. They, yeah, I'm they sorry. were working that's together. That's what to, I meant. Putin yeah. would have no fear of both. Yeah, they were working together to destroy NATO. That was that was that was the whole thing. And and Trump is like, oh well, you know, they never attacked Ukraine when I was in office. Well, that's because you were doing your work, their work for them. Bill in Clifton, New Jersey. Hey, Bill, what's on your mind today? I've just been reading about the rivalry between these two. Uh, journalists uh, during the famine in uh, Kiev, which they called Holodmor, which means starvation. Yeah, it was death. during the 1930s when, when Stalin right, decided right. he was going to starve the Ukrainians into submission. Right. There, there was an Anglo-American uh, reporter named Durante, who was uh, the Moscow bureau chief, I guess, and a propagandist. And he... Uh, he said, there's nothing going on there. He's sort of the, the Tucker Carlson, I guess, of his time. Right. And his rival was Gareth Jones, who wrote for the uh, London uh, 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 Times. And uh, he had uh, um, he, he started out writing anonymously because he was afraid of you know being attacked. And these articles started uh, coming out. And 
uh, he finally, you know, took uh, ownership of those those uh, articles, and he was banned from going to the Soviet Union. Later on, he went to Mongolia, which was occupied by Japan, and he was kidnapped by, uh, uh, you know, Russians uh, and uh, murdered. Hmm. But um, and uh, and so, so that what's kind the of point you're making, Bill? The point, well, about media and not knowing about it, and I think that people should read up and know about the uh, 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 the, the famine and how people got into cannibalism and how horrible it was. And uh, and are you familiar? You, I think you've talked about game theory, haven't you? Yes, over the years. Uh, okay. yeah. Right. There, there, there was just uh, 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 put online a, uh, uh, um, a, a video about uh, game theory, and it's it, it, it's it's sort of sad, but it it, it talks about how um, 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 they, they do one of those um, uh, game theories with people in a cabin, and they're running out of food. Do you eat the clothes first, and uh, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. no, I, I get it, Bill. I get it. And and it's you're absolutely right. There was a massive famine in the 30s in Ukraine that was engineered by Joseph Stalin as a, as a way of basically you know breaking the will of Ukraine. And and he succeeded. I mean, it was just it's a terrible, terrible thing. AJ in Ojai, California. Hey, AJ, what's on your mind today? Trump got on Hannity, and then he also said that he had lots of talks with uh, Putin about Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And that must have been Helensky when he went in the back room. And how come that's not documented? You mean Helsinki? You know, there's, yeah, well, whatever, any of those conversations. Because, you know, there's transcribes of every con- of every conversation. Well, so it's supposed to be, but there weren't in any of the private conversations. I thought it was interesting that he said to Sean Hannity that he knows, he knows Vladimir Putin as well as he knows Sean Hannity. And, and he absolutely refused to denounce Putin. You know, he said that... You know, for- Go ahead. For a long time, he was putting down NATO. Right. And I think he had this all planned with uh, Putin. Oh, absolutely. second term, he didn't have to be elected that they were going to go in and, you know. He would have, yeah. he would have pulled the United States out of NATO. I mean, you know, we, let's give credit where credit is due. Joe Biden pulled NATO together on this thing. Joe Biden, you know, President Biden was the guy who got all these countries working together to take refugees and to, and to pony up money and military equipment and all kinds of things. I mean, you know, it's it's a big deal. It's a it's a big deal. So, A.J., I'm with you. I, you know, it's a, Donald Trump, <laughs> not our friend. James in Burnsville, West Virginia. Hey, James, what's up? Hello, Mr. Hartman. I just want to talk about sanctions against Russia and Putin. They're designed to stop the killing machines where they're bombing children's hospitals and killing them and killing the pregnant women over there. And that's what they're that's what they're designed to do. And I'd like to bring up the point that Putin's got a uh, propaganda machine running in the United States. Now, Donald Trump has said how great Putin was and what a smart fellow he was for bombing those children and killing those women. Fox News ran it. Tucker Carson is a uh, hit in Russia now. So can I, can we not put sanctions against Trump, Fox News, Tucker Carson, and all the Republicans that are speaking up how great Putin is? Oh, that's an I interesting think, idea. I think, I think Putin is a scumbag myself. Yeah, so, so if we're sanctioning Russia... Um, sanction the Russian stooges in the United States. I don't know how you'd go about sanctioning Tucker Carlson. I, you could seize his, you know, the, the hundreds of, or I, I don't know if he's worth hundreds of millions. He's worth a lot of money. He's the heir to the Swanson food fortune, you know, the frozen food uh, dynasty. Um, but uh, seizing his asset, that's an interesting idea. James, thank you for the call. I doubt it would happen. I doubt it's even possible, frankly. But uh, and, and, and I would be wary, frankly, of punishing anybody who's in the media for taking uh, an unpopular position as speaking as somebody who often takes unpopular positions. But still. Chris in Corrales, New Mexico. Hey, Chris, what's up? I was wondering how you felt about our media and even our government telling us that Putin's getting bad information 
about the war and stuff when we all know he watches our TV as much as Trump did. Yeah. Why would they say that, do you think? Probably. I, you know, I don't know if this is like, you know, disinformation coming out of Russia or if it's just, you know, weird, wishful thinking on the part of Americans. Uh, you know, Putin is doing in Ukraine right now pretty much the exact same thing he did in, in Chechnya. And pretty much the exact same thing he did in Syria, specifically to the city of Aleppo, although, you know, more broadly, you know, the, the region. And that is he just goes in with brute force. He throws a bunch of soldiers and tanks in. He hopes people will just back down and go away when they don't. He suffers some losses. And so then he brings in, you know, the, the artillery and just flattens the city, kills tens or hundreds of thousands of people and, and just waits for people to be so demoralized, have so many members of their families killed that they're willing to say, okay, we surrender, we give up. I mean, this is, he's done this successfully twice. Why would anybody think he's not gonna do it again? I think that you know, he, they're repositioning their troops around Kyiv right now, and I think it's because they're preparing to flatten that city. They're gonna do to, to Kyiv what they did to Mariupol. You know, mark my words, in the next two weeks, you're gonna see this happen. And the question is, is the world, is, is the world just going to stand around and go, oh, well, that's kind of problematic, isn't it? Or is there going to be a larger and more sustained response against this? And I frankly don't know the answer to that question, Chris. Jim in West Palm Beach, Florida. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind? Today? Have you ever heard of the Monterey Initiative for Russian Studies? No. Okay. If you go on YouTube, you'll see a lot of interviews with ex-ambassadors to Russia. And almost every one of them, starting with McIntosh, who was ambassador in 1990, 88 to 91, all the way to Burns, who is the director of CIA today, they all said the same thing. You push NATO next to Russia, on Russia's border, through Ukraine, you will have a war. Well, maybe, maybe is, not, Jim. Well but but no, let, me, let, me, let me just they tell you what Vladimir it. Putin had to say about that. Vladimir Putin gave this long rant, uh, you know, when the war started, that it just had nothing to do with NATO. That this, you know, I get it that the Russian talking point before that was that it was NATO. But Putin came right out and said, this is because Ukraine is not a real country. Ukraine is historically Russia. We are reclaiming our country. That's what he said. So, I mean, you can, you can, you can, you know, piss and moan all day long if you want about NATO. But this is not about NATO. That's not why... That's not why uh, Putin is in Ukraine right now. Stephen Cohen, you had Stephen Cohen on his before his death a couple of years ago. Sure. You had him on your show many times. He said that in every oh, I know. And Stephen Cohen, you know, frequently everybody took, agrees to it. The, and you take this one conversation with Putin. Not everybody agrees to it. Jim. Misquoting him. Not every, misquoting no, him. I'm not misquoting him. You can look it up yourself. And 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 and. And, and that said, NATO is a, is a defensive organization, and NATO has the right to go, you know, to, to, to any country that wants to join NATO should have the right to join NATO. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not willing to blame Ukraine here, and I'm certainly not willing to blame NATO, which appears to be the only thing that is preventing Russia from attacking Poland right now. Zeke in Portland. Hey, Zeke, what's up? I heard Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, and this is pretty much verbatim. We will be giving the Ukrainians the weapons we think they need, not the weapons they say they need. Now, this this is in the context of a situation where, according to all all the several generals and one admiral that I follow, I'm talking about James Stavridis, the admiral. They all say we are on the eve of the biggest force-on-force -force battle since World War II in the Donbass region of eastern Ukraine. And they all and all of these generals and Sturbridis say that if we give the Ukrainians the weapons that they are asking for, they will break the back of Russian military power in Ukraine. What I see happening here, and this narrative has been out there, and what I'm seeing is that Biden has made the call that Putin cannot be allowed to lose the war. Because if he loses the war, he might do something really nasty, like invade a smaller country and exterminate a civilian population. I mean, who knows? So that's what's. That's I think. What's going I think there. My personal guess is that if there is such a concern within this administration, and I have no way of knowing if there is or isn't, but my personal guess is that one of the things that might be uh, causing them to scratch their heads a little is the complete withdrawal from you know more than 100 miles around Kyiv 
um, perhaps setting that region up to be the target of a battlefield nuclear weapon uh, or a chemical attack. But, I, I, you know, I don't know. Zeke, thanks so much for the call. Thank you all for calling today. And special thanks to Louise Hartman, Sean Taylor, Nate Atwell, Jamie Holly, Joyce the Hammer, Nance, Nigel Peacock, Sue Nethercutt, Patrick Hoyt, Geraldine Halbert, Ron Hartenbaum, Chase Spross, Nicholas Miller, Pat Sweeney, Jabber Maki, Jay LeBlanc, Al Gorilla Rhythm, uh, Connor Arroyo, and Carne Verde. Thank you all for helping out keep this program alive. And thank you for saying good things about us to the radio stations, television stations, however you're getting our show, letting people know about it. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Get out there, get active. Tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 